0: Very soon, parents will begin threatening their children, because Christmas is coming. <laughs> and they will be saying things like, if you're not good, Santa's not going to bring you th- nice things. You're going to be on the naughty list, right? You want to stay on the good list, or you're going to get coal or nothing. You'll get nothing and like it. And the threats... They probably start after Thanksgiving, right? Well, for some of you parents, they start in January. <laughs> That's how it was with me. <laughs> I needed it. Okay, so you know the whole Santa Claus relationship is, is basically the modus operandi is if you do more good things, you're on the good list, and if you do more you know, bad things, you're on the naughty list. And there's this sort of teeter-tottering uh, relationship. And so you just kind of hope you do enough good to get on the good list. Some people treat God the same way. Some people think their relationship with God is that. In other words, for me to go into heaven, for me to gain salvation, I have to do enough good things so I can get in and or not do as many bad things. But if I do too many bad things, I'm not going to get into heaven. And one of the things that happens in this sort of you know thinking this way which is completely wrong but one of the things that happens is that people begin to devalue the negative actions the sinful actions well it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad you know I do enough good in my life I do a lot of good things I don't I don't need to worry about those bad things or one of the more common things that said to me uh, you know oh, father I haven't been to confession in confession a long time okay I don't even ask, they just tell me, you just start telling me stuff, (laughs) you just start confessing already, it's amazing, you see the collar and you just fall to pieces, and uh, well, I haven't been to confession in a long time, okay, you know, it's not like I'm going to throw you in there, and uh, well, it's not like I've done anything, I haven't killed anybody, and I'm like, well, thank God for that, (laughs) thanks for keeping the bar high. So, uh, But we often think of God in this, in this way. I, I have to do enough good to get into heaven. It's actually a heresy. It's actually a heresy. It's completely contradictory to the Christian faith and what we believe is true about God's graciousness, his goodness, um, how he offers salvation. You can't earn what's free. You cannot earn what's free. And when we look at Scripture... We often find that with Jesus, the people who end up in hell or torment or damnation, like this guy from the gospel, they're not really the ones who did a bunch of stuff wrong. I mean, sometimes they are, but what's interesting is the reason why they end up there. So you have this rich man who, who had everything he needed, right? He dressed really well and he dined really well. And then we're told there's Lazarus who's outside his door. One of the most interesting things about this parable is the rich man has no name. He's not known to God in that way, in a personal way, but Lazarus is, right? So the rich man, his entire life has essentially whatever he wants. He experiences all of this goodness, and Lazarus has nothing, right? He doesn't have any food. He has nothing. He's poor. He's a beggar, but at the end of their lives the rich man is damned you know he's in eternal torment and Lazarus is essentially in heaven he's enjoying some sort of beatitude now understandably Christ hasn't risen from the dead yet this is a parable so we can't go literally about well was there a heaven before Christ rose from the dead don't worry about that it's not that important I mean it's important but we won't we won't cover that now this is a parable it's a story about what can happen to a person, if. And so what was it about the rich man? Because we're told, well, he had, he had good things while he was living. Yeah, but having good things while you're living should not, therefore, mean a person would be damned or suffer eternal torment. Just having good things. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. What does make sense is Lazarus was right outside this man's door, right? And while Lazarus was dining on on sumptuous foods and wearing his fancy clothes, he did nothing. He did nothing for Lazarus at his door. We're not even told if Lazarus was a good guy. I mean, not all poor people are nice. I mean, there's nice people and not so nice people, rich or poor, right? Right? We're not, we're not told about the, the quality of Lazarus or his personality. We're just told that he suffered. And in his suffering, he was known to God in a special way. But the problem with the rich man is he didn't do anything. He didn't even give him his leftovers, right? He didn't even, nothing. He was, he was you know, we, we might say, well, maybe he was selfish. Well, I think it's actually worse than being selfish, Selfish acknowledges what one can do and then says, I won't do it. I think possibly an even greater problem was present with this rich man. He didn't even notice. He couldn't be bothered. He couldn't even be bothered to consider if he would do something because Lazarus was no one to him. Just someone to pass by or walk by to be forgotten. And that's kind of the point. Lazarus isn't forgotten by God. But the rich man kind of is. As I said, he's not even named. So then it, it leads us to consider. What does it mean, as the second reading says, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be focused on doing what the Lord would ask of us or being the kind of person he would like us to be. What does it mean to be a person who's self-aware? Right? This, this rich guy, was he wasn't even aware. He wasn't even aware he was doing anything wrong. Remember at that time, it was a very common belief that if you had a lot, if you were wealthy, that was a, a sign of favor from God. And if you were poor, it was presumed that you deserved to be poor because you or your ancestors sinned or something. But misfortune came from God, just like blessings came from God. So the rich man thought he he was blessed by God. He, he would never assume he would be in eternal torment. But he was so blind to himself, and he was so blind to those around him, right? That he became a man who was truly blind about the things that mattered to God. Which is why when, when he says to God, you know, in the, in the parable, he says to God, well, send, send somebody to, or send Lazarus to warn my, my family to shape up. You know, God says, no. You know, if they, they've got Moses and the prophets. They have everything they need. And even if they would see somebody rise from the dead, it wouldn't matter. It's really interesting that Jesus is saying this in a parable. Even if, some, even if somebody like that sees an incredible, miraculous event, it's not going to change them because they're too blind. They can't see it. They can't see the good. They can't see what's wrong with themselves. They can't see their own errors. And they can't see the people around them in need. And so one of the most important things that, that we can do personally and, and socially, communally, is to become aware, right? If we're going to grow in holiness, we have to become aware of our deficiencies. What are those things that I need to improve on? How can I grow? How can I invite the Lord's grace into my life? And then, Lord, show me how I, how I am called, you know, particularly, how am I called to minister to your people, to do more beyond myself, For others. Once again, God is not just looking for the sum total of good acts versus evil acts. And canceling, you know, if if one's greater, then that determines our eternal destiny. It's not like that. He's looking for people transformed. He's looking for people who have incorporated Jesus into their lives. Who have become little Christs. Truly Christians. People who are aware of what they need and they ask for it so that they can then give it back to those in their lives. Please stand.